This is Messi Nagawa, brought to you by Council for Global Evangelization (CGE). Welcome to our in-depth table talk. Nothing is off the table. Well, we're in our final episode now. We're trying to sum up this hundred years under assault, Western Christian civilization and the problem of spiritualism. And we want to bring it back into the context of how we came to understand this situation. Because like we said, it's only been in recent times that we've been able to put the whole historical framework to it. But at the at the time when this anointing came into Melbourne in 1992 and as a as a emerging ministry in Victoria we move fast right we move fast because we the Holy Spirit had said hi the halls don't limit me and so we just hear that word off we go we're hiring the halls we're going out we're doing all the things and it wasn't until recently we used to put out a magazine in the beginning we had a little small office in Tullamarine we produced a newspaper every quarter, or we tried to, um, uh, in, and Melbourne, in, in, Melbourne. in Melbourne. And we would tell the story of what was happening around Melbourne in the different venues with different people. And recently I was going back over some of them, and this was published in November 93. And it stated that we'd already had 60 public meetings over a period of 15 months. We must have been tired. (laughs) I just, all I remember is it was like one after the other, all over the place, here, there and everywhere. Um, And one of the articles was saying that Australia is a nation whose cultural fabric is now interwoven with humanistic and new age material. It is becoming a complex and sophisticated society whose thought is dominated by philosophical and metaphysical beliefs, which only help to promote the wisdom of man. I mean, that's what we, now, so now in that, 2022. That's our writing. That's our writing as we're trying to understand the society. We're trying to understand it without knowing what you know now. Well, we, yeah, correct. Right? But you're analysing the situation, what we're encountering, because we were in public halls, public venues, and we were also being invited into churches uh, and different places around Australia. So we were encountering very, like, lots of different audiences mm-hmm. and and also the public, right? The public is what we were encountering. So this was 93. And at the same period of time, must have been another article, it said the Western Christian needs to be deprogrammed and purged of the residual humanistic and philosophical influence that makes him captive to logic and reason, thereby preventing him from apprehending or comprehending Jesus Christ, the power of God, out of 1 Corinthians. So we were very advanced. Very advanced. <laughs> We didn't know anything. We just really went with that anointing, we just went with right? It, yeah. And 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 some of the writing was talking about the evangelistic nature of where we were going. I think, in a way, without really knowing, right? We were just going with what we heard, what we knew, what we believed, and that Bible. The Bible was in our hands. It was all we had, right? And so, ninety four, around ninety three, ninety four, we end up at Monash University. We're invited by a group, Christian group, a Christian group, student students, union, students for Christ, students for Christ, and they set up a series of meetings in one of the big lecture halls, and we had three days, wasn't it? Three days of public 
gospel proclamation. It wasn't a talk. Academic it was, space. It was bringing Christ into the public academia at Monash University, which is a huge melting pot of intellectuals, culture, like it's everything is going on there. And the gospel that came out there was the pure Jesus sound. Here is the story of Monash University. Um, I did not even get a chance. As soon as I put my feet on the platform, I read out the scripture. The scripture is very, very deliberate, deliberate, simple verse. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Those words, hardly had I finished saying those words, the place was utter chaos. Yeah, pandemonium. Absolute war. Yeah. I thought they were going to throw the chairs at me. Yeah, yeah. They shouted me down. They were standing up all over the auditorium, pointing. You cannot do that. They were yelling. You cannot yeah. do that. You cannot say that here. Mm. Uh, and um, and the Holy Spirit gave me an idea instantly. Make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> Make a deal. They forgot. Well, they didn't know <laughs> that he was from, uh, you know, university himself, Kerry University, and he had, you know, he was used to campus. Campus, I mean, this was my, like fish in water. Yeah, For yeah. me, it was exciting. The clash, the... It was absolute. He was in his I, He was in his I, was, I, I love the moment. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit says, make a deal. Yeah, make said. a deal. See, you know, making deals. God, <laughs> what's that? And, and, I, and I put my hand up and I said, I am the preacher, you're not. Today I preach, you quiet, quietly listen. Tomorrow, however, is your day. You can come and shout at me as much as you want. Yeah, bring your questions. Bring your questions. Bring yeah. your professors. Yeah, yeah. Bring everything. Throw everything at me. Yeah. I will not preach tomorrow. Throw everything at me tomorrow. It's your floor tomorrow. It caused such excitement and joy yeah, in the yeah. students. They sat down. Sat quietly. Yeah, yeah. And listen. Yeah. Because in the mix we had... The Society of Skeptics, we had the atheists, we had, we had the Coptic the Cop, the the Christians. The Copts from Egypt, Egypt. And, and the Middle East. We had all sorts of groups represented in the... The Copts um, didn't like it. Um, they hated the word born again yeah. because they are the true church. <laughs> so, they're the Orthodox. But, but in this context, mm. he preaches and he has an altar call and five people. It, that's in the, the, in, in the story. It's in the story. We've got how many people. Five people in that space got saved. They came down. Well, I remember one young man who yeah. came down to me and he said, why am I crying? The tears are pouring out of his eyes. I said, you have been saved. <laughs> what a great moment for me to yeah. actually be able to say that. See, you know what I love about that, right? Um, just, you know, it makes me think of John 3, right? The yeah, wind yeah. blows where it wills. Yeah, you yeah. do not know how a man gets born again. No one. You don't. We, you know, in the church, we've tried to systematize it. Yeah. You've got to say certain things and all this. But, pray this, pray after me. But the, na but the nature of <laughs> someone being born again, it's God makes them new by the spirit. They they come from the dead. It's, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that was Monash University. It was an experience, right? And the, it was evangelism. Jesus, like the public gospel, the scriptures, like unapologetic, out there where the in the debating of idea and yeah. and all that. And we, so that was one phase. That was about 93, 94. And then our next move really in the public evangelism was we hired a big tent, like a circus tent, and we put it in one of the big 
parks of the city, right down in downtown city. If anyone knows the Queen Victoria Market, Flagstaff Gardens. It was right around the corner it's from Queen. It's called Flagstaff Gardens. We were the right there. City. We made a big banner. It said Holy Ghost in town. Uh, provocation, and provocation, deliberate provocation. We were right in the middle of the park. The police headquarters was across the road. We didn't know till afterwards because the police came and introduced us and said it was the best week they'd had there because it was no crime. It was no crime. No crime. For how many days? For six days. Well, you know why there was no crime. Like I've just digressed oh, to tell you a story. There right? was there was crime. <laughs> there was an so episode. We had the tent through the day, and we had to pay for security in the evening between midnight and six o'clock. It was part of the rules of the security for the sound system of the city of Melbourne. Who yeah. we had to have a security of the event. The regulations. So, at midnight, the security guard would come, and then someone would relieve them at six o'clock. We always had people there. So I don't remember what night it was. Maybe it was the second night or something. Uh, we'd left the security guard. We'd all gone home. And in the morning, I got there early. I got there at 6 o'clock and I found one of the guys who was part of us was there and he was telling us what had happened in the night. He'd gone home and had a, he was dreaming. He's having a dream in the night. In his dream, he's told that the, the sound equipment is being stolen. At Flex of Gardens. Yes. It, it's 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 being taken out. The thieves have come. Yeah. yeah. So he gets in his car, drives into the city at what well, I don't know. Let's say four o'clock in the morning. I don't know. About four o'clock. He he comes into the city. He believes it. He, he believes he, he's heard from God. He reacts to the dream. He comes in and he gets into the tent and he finds a security guard asleep. They fall asleep. And the sound equipment's gone. Gone. Yeah. So. He's just like, God, you know, you've shown me the dream. So off he goes. He's walking through the park. He's trying to find, you know, he's trying to find the thieves. And he walks past a bush and hears the whole sound of the whole shoved, shoved under the, the bush, like it was hidden under the whole bush. You would never have known. They think they were going to come back and collect it later when there weren't people. Mm. Obviously, people were up early exercising, whatever, in the morning. So by the time we got, they'd already put the whole it's thing back. Seen. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> put the whole thing back. And like so, anyway, that was that was just part of our. Um, this is what happens in evangelism: <laughs> dreams and visions. Don't you gotta believe in dreams and visions. And 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 mm. so we recovered it. It was recovered. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, the full thing. And we had such a great time that week. And but anyway, we we're in the city, public event, like bold, crazy bold, right? Yeah. yeah. To my knowledge, no one's ever done that before. Um, in the public declaration of the um, of the power of God, really. The you saving know. power of Jesus Christ, of the cross, yeah, of the blood of Jesus. So tell them about, because on the final night, wasn't it, was it the final night? The final night is very, very interesting because um, that was a Saturday and we are wrapping up. We're, tomorrow we pull up everything, the tent, all the equipment, everything will be coming to an end. But on this night, there was a light over the city. Yeah. Above the city of Melbourne. Yes. Bright light. It wasn't in the papers, it wasn't in the newspaper. The television talked about it. It was well known. Yeah, it was an unusual event. An unusual um, phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Over our city. Yeah. Media said they've never seen it like that. They didn't know what it was. What they did not know is something happened on that night because we came, people came out of the tent. Yeah. After my preaching and, and everything. As anyone who came out, and looked up, someone said, look up there, there's a light up over, over the city. That light is strange. Yeah. And anyone who looked up hit the ground under the power of God. I, I remember standing there watching people 
Like they were rolling up and down in the leaves. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, like autumn leaves on the oh, ground. And that's what I called it. It yeah. was autumn. It was Actually, autumn. It was. Yeah. So people are rolling under the power. Yeah. Anyone who looks with a hit by the yeah. anointing, they and they will laughing. roll back and forth, like drum of oil, rolling back. Yes. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. You couldn't stop them. No. I mean, we're talking about in a bush here. We're talking <laughs> about in a park, but this was a place of... um. Um, it wasn't a, a soft landing grass kind of place. And you couldn't, the, the, the intensity of, it was yes. like um, a very intense force. It was, yes. Of anointing and power. And it was people. completely um, spontaneous. Spontaneous and it wasn't just one person or two no, or no, three. It was a couple of people. They were up and down and, uh, and yeah, shouting uh, in tongues. In tongues, going off in dialects. Yeah, it was a, a moment. This isn't a city, secular space. Public Evangelism. Evangelism. I go home that night, amazed at the phenomenon, what just happened. Because when the anointing begins to move like that, you know, we have, we can have that anointing and power in a, in a in a big auditorium in church. Yeah. But we're talking about in the heart of the city, and everyone saw that. Mm. And you cannot hide the Holy Spirit anymore. <laughs> you cannot hide the Holy Spirit anymore. That's, That's that, that, it was an amazing phenomenon. So I go home that night, and. I just went home and I hear a voice in the heavens. The voice is the voice of Satan. And he said, I do not like what you are doing in this city. I do not like, and I instinctively, I knew what he was saying. Satan is saying, I don't like this idea of evangelism. It was my first time in my Christian life and ministry to realize that the thing that really annoys Satan mm -hmm. is word evangelism mm -hmm. you can have church you can have worship you can have the biggest festival for jesus anytime but do not spell out the word evangelism especially in the public square the word evangelism when you come into public square and you say evangelism that public proclamation i must. realize satan is taken off the masks the mask has come off he has revealed himself it was a great experience for me to learn. Yeah. I mean, what is evangelism? For me, that was the beginning of what is evangelism. Well, we, we, we went from there. We took a building in the city. We were in the city for a number of years holding public meetings regularly. And so there was a community of people building around what was going on because people were like, their lives being transformed. They were being healed. Their the lives were being demons. changed. All sorts of things were going on. And then at some point, you know, Eaton realized that, what people, it's great that they're in the anointing. It's great that they had the Holy Spirit and all these fantastic things were happening. But what they needed was Bible training. They because needed to someone be came in. Someone came in and asked, what is the secret to this place? Yeah, yeah. And one of the people in our community said, it's the anointing. Yeah. You just have to get into the anointing. I overheard the conversation. That's right. And I said, this is not good enough for me. I had, uh, the thought was, that is not the testimony. That's not... Who are we as Christians? And I said, I need to get into Bible training for everybody. Mm -hmm. So we put people through a program. An intense a, program. Intense, intense Really, program. it was a unique um, Bible class. I Bible, it a Bible class. class. Well, it wasn't your average Bible class. It was a very intense experience. Um, but what it did is it absolutely elevated those people to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. And what we didn't anticipate was really the fight that was coming. We didn't know the fight that was coming God was actually ahead, ahead of, of what Satan was trying to do. Like, you know what I mean? He, 
that thing that was ahead of us. God was preparing us. We were being equipped. This thing that we thought looked a certain way, evangelism, mm-hmm. or we thought it was, we thought we understood it. And now we're, we're hitting a period of time where the world starts to change again. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about what happened in that? You know what we're doing on, in these episodes and this broadcast, we, we're sharing our, our story. We are talking to you from Melbourne to talk about this lab and this experiment and we're learning so much on the way so we at this point people have been taught the bible by the way that bible is amazing i call it a um i won't give you the name because someone took that name and registered for themselves but it's a bible class and, and someone came in from overseas from the united states as a matter of fact and they said we want the curriculum and i said all i do all i do is you just use the bible they didn't believe me they thought it was some amazing um something that's structured that produces these results because they inquired about this anointing. What is the, that's the same person who asked, what is the secret to this place? And that's when they came the following year, they came the following year, they'd been there the year before, they were one of the speakers in one of our conferences. The second year they come back and they say, something's changed again, what is it? And they said, it's this Bible class. Mm -hmm. And the person said, give me the, they came to me and asked for the curriculum. (laughs) And I said, it doesn't exist because I just use the Bible, just the Bible in my hand. that is a story we shall tell in the future, what Bible class that was. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, you know, it was three months, one day per week. By the third month, I noticed when I was teaching on a whiteboard, I was just writing something on a whiteboard and the people fell out of their chairs. The whole place just, people crashed out of their chairs. It was like like a, like a hurricane. To, to this day, my husband is demanding he brings that back for people. Bring it back. It doesn't exist in the doesn't planet. doesn't exist I've, on the planet. I haven't seen it. I, have, I haven't read any of the books that do it. Um, but it fundamentally transformed, transformed a whole group of people. The community. Because we're, we were heading, this evangelism was going to be accelerated. Accelerated and, and it was heading into the nations. We're talking about a point of ending getting to the nations. It's a journey, but here's what happens next. Here's what happens next. Something amazing began to happen. Something incredibly uh, magnificent transformed my mind, my thinking. My whole being, it, it, it created what you call a mission mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. A mission, you know, God's people, what are they supposed to be doing? So in that anointing and power, I, after the Bible training and, 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 and developing people and equipping them, we sent some of them to universities. Our community became quite amazing. They went to, we sent them to universities, to colleges. They, they started businesses. Businesses. They were all, yeah, they were all over. We could not tell you what happened to this community. You know, the word prosperity, is it a doctrine? For us, it was an experience. What happened to people? We talk about people becoming millionaires, apparently. We cannot talk about that in public. Yeah. But this is what began to happen through the Bible training. Yes. The Bible did that. The Bible did that. But what began to happen right after that, I began to ask myself the question. When I stand before Jesus, I, I, I began to worry about a verse that says there are those who... Jesus said to them, depart from me. Mm. And be, those who, you know, they, they said, but how could you cast us out? Because we, we cast out demons. We heal the sick. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never, know, never knew you. I said, is it possible I can be in that anointing and the power, casting out demons? Is it possible I can be open the eyes of the blind, get the people, to, the lame to walk? the deaf to hear, anointing, power, signs and wonders. Is it possible 
that we might stand before Jesus and he says, I never knew you. What would cause Jesus to be so annoyed that he would cast off the idea of signs and wonders and miracles and healings and all that stuff? That is not so impressive to him. Suddenly I'm realizing this may not be the most impressive thing under heaven. So that was a question in my mind. So I went into the Bible and I began to think about what you call the Great Commission. The Great Commission, I started to look at the Gospels at the end of each one of the Gospels. Jesus takes time just before he's crucified to talk to his disciples about what they will do, how God will send his power to them, how he will send the Holy Spirit and, and what they must do, going to the nations, preaching the Gospel. Every, every creature, go into all the world and preach the Gospel, every creature. And I said to myself, well, I don't think we've done that. Mm. Anointing and power. 15 months and more with, with, with you know, healing power. It's amazing. Cancers have taken out of people. The dead have been raised in Melbourne. We cannot give you those details, but this stuff happened. And someone comes and says, I'm suffering from cancer. There's a man at the tent. We're talking about that tent. A man came and stood in front of me, and I said to him, wait, do I know you somewhere? He said, no, you wouldn't know me. I said, are you Dutch? He said, yes, I am, as a matter of fact. I said, you are my neighbor. You lived next to me. My, our houses were together. This is a few years back. He said, yes, I am Dutch. I said, well, this is the street. This is the number. He said, well, yeah, that's where I live. I said, how come you here? He says, I'm coughing blood every night. Cancer. That man got healed during that tent event. He said, he brought his son the next day. And he says, son, I feel no cancer in my body. No more blood last night. No more. But... You know, to me, I began to say to myself, these miracles have happened, signs and wonders. That anointing, is it possible this is not the most impressive thing? And I look at the Gospels and I see what Jesus is saying. We have not done this. We as a ministry, as a community, must begin to think about deliberately going into all the world. Into all the world. All yes. nations. Yeah. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I had begun this ministry with that scripture. When that anointing came, when the power visited me, I went everywhere talking about the kingdom of God. I went preaching the kingdom of God, and yes. the signs and wonders began to happen. If you ask well, me the truth. And, and I'd come out of YWAM, remember? Yeah. Like, I'd already I'd gone with the goat. You've been the goat there for. But my encounter at, at the end of my experience was when when people had difficulties that the Christians could not deal with, but I knew from the scripture that Jesus could, I started to look for that, the power, and the, you know, so yeah. we had the go ye, but we didn't have the power, the anointing, the, power. the that proclamation but style. At, at this time we had the power, but, but we, not, then, we did not have the go ye. <laughs> we got so busy. Uh, and I realized there is something called the preaching of the gospel in all the world. I was familiar with that. I'd come out of East Africa. I, East Africa is known as, um, I call it Salvation Land. People get saved. You go to Uganda where I grew up, where I went to university, high school, university. People get saved. You go to Uganda today, you'll see in hotels, the, the ladies serving you is most likely born again. You cannot just walk on the street in the next few meters without meeting someone who's born again. It's just that. It's just East Africa. It's like Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda now. Um, Burundi, Eastern Congo, that region, especially East Africa, early East Africa, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania. Um, so salvation, evangelism, people getting saved, it was just amazing. That was always there. And, and I'd got saved at university. So 
to preach Christ and getting saved yeah. right into universities. That is, that was, the, the, you know, how we lived. That's what it was. But I began to say, say to myself, I do understand that. But how do I transition yes. from a miracle ministry, yes. signs and wonders, the excitement? Someone said to me, but if you change from this, what if you go out there doing that and then you lose this anointing? Yeah. Where shall we go when people need to be healed? Because we were the go-to place for yeah. people in the community in, in, in Melbourne. Yeah. People, it became such a precious thing to have. Yeah. They were very protective. They of, were, of, the community around us. They loved it so much, they protected that. And uh, but, but I have to say that the nature, your nature and the nature of this ministry has always been, what is the Holy Spirit saying now? Yeah. Where are we going? Like we have to be able to shed what, what is not working or what God, the new revelation, we have to be able to move. We A lot of people institutionalise and set themselves. It's a very dynamic. They set up camp and they yeah. want to stay yeah. there. I mean, yeah. I've heard that in the Christian world all the time, right? We set up camp, we stay, and then we have our local space and everybody has their local. But the nature of that gospel, especially if you're tracking through the book of Acts, it is a dynamic. It's a, it's a movement. It is a movement. It's Jesus power. It's, it's cities. Yeah. It's, it's cities. It's encountering Simon of Samaria. It is. Yeah. It's Ilmas the sorcerer with Paul. It's not religion, then, it is, right? It is, it's life. It's action. And so that's when you got to the book of Revelation, right? So when I got to the book of Revelation, I read that. And then I read, I, I thought of, yeah, exactly. Book of Revelation, there was a scripture in Revelation. Most people would know about it. It speaks about um, the multitude of people in heaven whom you cannot number. And they're in white robes. Mm. These are the ones who are, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That verse out of the book of Revelation changed the whole book of Revelation for me. That book was no longer the apocalypse. Mm. That was the end when God is looking at how many got saved. Yeah. How many made it to heaven? How many made it to the book, into the book? Yeah, yeah. The Bible speaks about, the book of Revelation speaks about two books, the two kinds of books. It speaks about the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. Then it speaks about books. It says people will be judged out of books. If in the book of life, you will not be judged. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That is for those who are in the Lamb's book of life. But there are those who will appear before the white, the great white throne. Mm -hmm. You don't want to appear before the great white throne. Oh my God. That's for those whose names are being written out of the books. The books are not so much about their names. It's about the things they did. Their life, everything as far back. It will all be open. The judgment will, will, will be in session. Mm -hmm. The judge of all the earth will be handling everybody's case, case by case. But I was talking about the ones who are in the book of life, yeah, yeah. Lamb's book of life. From every nation. From every nation, tongue. tribe and tongue. That's what scripture said. Yeah. And I said, we are not doing that. So how do I do this? How do I transition? The transition, what I did then was begin to do big open air monthly events with power and anointing just to help me transition. I, I wanted to put myself in that mind and because I knew, because I, I gave the answer to the person who asked me, suppose you miss, you lose that anointing. I said, no, 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 you do not lose that anointing. What will happen is we shall step into something new. It's called the blind see the lame walk. When you go with the gospel and the proclamation, what begins to happen is another level of signs and wonders. It's called the blind see the lame walk. That's if you read the story of, 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 of John the Baptist, when his disciple, he sent his disciples to talk to Jesus and ask, are you the one that's to come or do we wait for another? 
are you the Messiah? Are you the one? And he said to, to the, those men, go, go and tell him. Yeah. The blind see, the lame walk. Yeah. It is a whole new ball game. And the question was, how do we transition to this? So I began to have those events, those meetings to position myself. It was while I was doing that, that a woman came. She'd been involved in stuff that we cannot talk about. We did not know this is going on in our city. We knew about the high priestess and everything else, but this was much, much higher. This cut the story short. We found out there was a man from India, a guru in, in Melbourne. He'd been, he'd relocated from India to Australia and he was targeting the man called Eaton Mills. He was targeting more specifically this evangelism. So in the Abracadabra, whatever they do in there, he was training people, training a whole army in occultism, the spiritualism we're talking about, but in, in Indian, let's say, um, the Hinduism. We must, I must say at this point, we must reiterate that what came to America, to New York, Andrew uh, Jackson Davis, what came to Federation Time Australia, 1870s, 1900 with Deacon. This stuff actually began with a woman called Balatovsky. And it come from Odessa, where she was Ukrainian. So I'll leave that to your imagination. What is Ukraine? The origins of spiritualism. It is why we're having chaos in that region, central, central Europe. It is why we had the First World War, Second World War. They say the First World War, Second World War time, the tables would move in the Western world. Yeah. In America, in Europe. But what I'm trying to say is, it was the Hindu masters out of the, out of the Himalayas that directed her from a little child, mm -hmm. discipling her into Hinduism, into Buddhism. She was able to travel to India. She was to go travel to Tibet. But in the end, the Hindu masters, the masters, the ones who move a lake with their finger, we're talking about the god men who are in Satanism, the powers that tap into planets, who can shake nations using the abracadabra, they sent her to America. From there, it's coming to Australia. But now, this man, I was told, he was actually the mentor of a man called Sai Baba. That's what I was told. And I understood that he's the highest in the world. So why would the highest sorcerer of the world, high magic arts, target someone that's not Billy Graham, someone is not Benny Hinn? Because nobody knew me. Up until today, I am not one of the well-known evangelists of the world. But why? So he relocates to Melbourne to counter this thing called evangelism. So when he starts to do his work, this woman has begun to get dreams and she fled from this place. The, he, she heard in a dream that she shouldn't be in that stuff. But then they tracked her to my ministry where I was based, what I was doing. And they said, oh, she has gone to black evangelism. Mm -hmm. That's what they said. I, for many years, I want to understand why black evangelism. Uh, why the word black? Oh, of course, I'm black. I was the, you know, I'm the man that's been doing all this stuff. You know, those who came to my ministry knew, yeah, he's black. And um, so I don't know whether in Hinduism they said the guy is black and he's champions evangelism. But it was not, it's, it, it was, um, you know, in Africa, they know evangelism. Um, maybe that's what they were talking about. The guy comes out of Africa, he's black, and he's brought us evangelism over here. And, but why me? That was the question. And what he said, apparently, he, he would send telepathic messages and said to that lady, I'll kill you. 
and I'll kill that man and I'll kill his daughter. My daughter was two weeks old when I was doing this. So I won't give you those details there, but when it came to the point of killing me and killing my daughter, it, it gets, it, it's right in your home. I began, to, so the lady, I said to her, this is Simon of Samaria, he's just a sorceress. She said, you don't know what you're talking, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have never seen powers. This man will kill you. Finally, he sent a message to her telepathically and said, I'm going to kill you. And she came looking for me saying, it's over. Please stop helping me because I don't want you to die. Let me die. But you are not going to die and your daughter should not die. Let me die. She thought this is it. So what happened is I, I said to myself, well, God, I can't do any more. I have prayed for her, anointing, anointing, power, power. But this is beyond me. It's been one year. I'm trying to help her overcome that because she, she's come to Christ and everything else. But the powers are challenging. So the clash, uh, there's, there's a language we they use in Marxism. I use the socialist Marxists. I can tell you, um, they say the struggle has to intensify. If you want to cause a revolution, um, this is Lenin's teaching, by the way. Lenin speaks about intensification of the struggle. When it comes to the point of intensification of struggle, that's when you roll out the revolution. That's when you, you overthrow that order and you bring a whole new order. And, and I just knew this moment, the struggle has intensified. It's not just the high priestess anymore. I'm talking about someone relocating out of the Himalayas, out of, out of India somewhere. It's touching me and my life. But my question then was really, this is not about me, it's about the church. No one is safe. Because I, if there's a moment when that day when she came to see me saying, this is it, stop helping, let me die. What the man did was to send powers. I witnessed it with my eyes. She had a, 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 a silver ring. I remember that silver ring in her finger. And suddenly she jumped up and screamed and said, did you see that? I said, yes, I did. She said, no, you didn't. No one sees it. I said, I have seen it. It was like lightning it struck that ring. I heard the sound. She says, see, let me die. Let me die. I called a friend again, another friend from our community. I said, we need to go and pray. What I was going to do is just pray the benediction. That was it. I said, God, I can no, do no more. I will just go and pray the last prayer. It was while I was there praying the last prayer. And... I only just began the prayer to finish. I said to the lady, there's not much more I can do, but I shall pray. And I started to pray. I actually felt like some, uh, some, some priest, some, some priest doing the benediction. Stranger things come to your mind. And while I was beginning to say the words of benediction of prayer, God, I have done this and I've done, I cannot do any more. I keep living in your safekeeping. I'm heading that way in the prayer. And then I see a vision. In the vision, I see the powers that have locked this woman, that have held her, where they've come from. I will not tell you what I saw, but what I saw was in the house. All I said to the lady was, can you take me there? Show me where this is, and I will describe it to you. Graphic, I meant vivid, detailed. And I gave her, and she said, oh, my God, yes, follow me. So the, with the two of us, my friend and I followed, and there it was. And we destroyed it. But before we did that, when it was revealed to me, I said to the lady, before you take me there, I want to do something. I'm about, so I said, stand up. We all stood up and I made a declaration. As of this moment, he is vanquished. 
And I said, what was that? Vanquished. What am I talking about? I realized we must vanquish Satan. And it comes through proclamation. Because when I went home, I said to myself, we must, it's evangelism. Because he called it black evangelism. Remember at the tent, the, Satan said, I don't like evangelism. I don't like you. I don't like evangelism. So this word evangelism began to get into my mind. I realized Satan is annoyed by evangelism. But this time, with a man who's relocated from India, he's not just annoyed. He wants to kill. If, so I understood that Satan is troubled. And I began to imagine what it really means to do evangelism. We must dismantle infrastructure of Satan in our cities. And prayer then must roll in. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principles and powers, against rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, so, yeah. You but it's in the context. So what we found was it, it, Ephesians 6, Paul's writings are from the context of the proclamation. The proclamation. It, it's not to retreat into church life. It's, right? not just, it's not defensive. It's not defensive. You don't get up in the morning it's and put on the your, armor. Your little prayer meetings and intercession and things like that. This is the active engagement in the proclamation in the world. Because Ephesians 6 is a picture of a, a Roman soldier. Yeah. Paul is Roman. Paul is a man of civilization. He's born in Tarsus. He's a Roman. So it, 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 it's not trying to pray to be safe. Yeah. Satan is going to get me. Well, we know because Paul was in the public space all throughout cities the Gentile cities. world. And that's his experience. And he's he's writing to the Christians saying, when you're doing the same thing, you need this. If, like, if, if Ephesus, the top of the church, Ephesians, if the church in Ephesus, you know, the church began in Jerusalem. The next one was in Antioch. And we're, talk, we're talking about forward yes. positions. If Ephesus was the big one that became the headquarters, the base for Paul's ministry. But... We talk about dealing with spiritual powers. Yes. It, it's, so if, read again Ephesians 6. Yes. It's about proclamation. So I realize the platform. Yes. What I need is not just a healing ministry, not just the anointing. I need to make clear, define yes. clearly who I am, what I'm about, a platform of evangelism. But that means the nations. The nations. The nations, the nations, arenas. Yes open spaces, really public square on a global level. Yes. Global, talk about globalization. We must globalize the gospel, globalize Christianity, Yes. not stay local. Yes. Local church, that is a concept from the 1990s. It's not our topic today, but do not stay local. Satan wants you local. Yeah. Jesus wants you global. It, that's, you know, we say marshalling all the resources and putting all our hands in to see the salvation of the world. So if you'd like to know what proclamation looks like, we have articulated quite um, a body of, 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 of narrative what this ministry is about. You'll find so much of this on our website, yeah. councilforglobalevangelization.com. Yes. Uh, you get to see that anointing. You get to see miracles. You get to see everything. But more than that, you're going to see how we roll out yeah. this agenda of that gospel into the nations. Yes. And what is proclamation? It is, it is the weapon. Yes. The secret weapon of God is and, a platform. And, and this is the answer, if you like, to the problem of spiritualism. It is the answer. So this is the end of our series. We've, we've given you a... a, a Quite a lot, and we look forward to sharing with you in the future. Again, 
whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. <laughs> Until next time. Amen. Thank you for being with us on Messianic Hour, sharing our dreams and learning together. To be part of this global community, please visit our website at councilforglobalevangelization.com and subscribe.